You're listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Saturday night service in Brea, California. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. You drive in a bus and you go east 12 miles. You turn south and you go two miles. Are you listening? You take on nine passengers, then you turn west and you go three miles. You let off four passengers. Are you listening? How old is the bus driver? Well, let's think about that for a second. 12 miles east. Turn south, go two miles. Take on nine passengers. Turn west and go three miles. Let off four passengers. How old is the bus driver? Raise your hand if you think you know. Marcus. 45. Why would you think it's 45? Because you just turned 45. (laughs) Exactly right. Give him a big hand. He got it. Because I said, if you were listening, I started by saying, you are driving the bus. Yeah, some of you might not have heard that. I said, you are driving the bus. So for me, it would have been almost 50. For you, it might have been a little younger. For others, it might have been a little older. If you're listening, see, the the main problem that people have when they're trying to answer this kind of question is listening. Listening. We don't always hear what we need to hear. A lot of times, we latch onto certain information. If you're a math person or you're an engineering person or you're a science person, you might have been, okay, 12 miles east. Nine passengers off, four passengers going left and right. I mean, you would have been trying to calculate all the directions and the distance and the numbers of passengers, and you would have missed the fact that I said, you are the driver. You are the driver. Listening and understanding is important, isn't it? And that's what we've been in for the last three weeks. We've been in a series called, everybody, what's the series title? Frequency, tuning into God's voice. And I, I have my little radio up here as, a, as an illustration of how we tune into God's voice. If you've missed any of the messages, if you haven't been with us uh, on our website, wearerefinery.com, you can click on sermons. You can listen to all of our past messages. You can also search iTunes for the Refinery Church where we're podcasting. So you can go back and listen to all these um, because we want you to be able to glean and go back and go, now, what was it that Pastor Kelly said? This series is important. It's learning how to hear God, and we're starting the year off with that. How to tune in to God's voice and how to listen. Tonight, we're going to be talking about how to confirm that it's actually God that you're hearing. Was it bad pizza? Was it some weird news thing that I heard, and maybe that was God, and you're not really sure if that is God speaking or not? Tonight, I want to look at a young guy And I'm going to give you five keys to help you understand and confirm that God's voice is speaking and you're hearing it. In the Old Testament of the Bible, we read about a young guy who didn't know God's voice, but he learned how to tune in, how to tune in and recognize and confirm that it was God who was speaking. It was God who was speaking. Let me give you a little bit of background before we get into this. It's coming from an Old Testament book called 1 Samuel. It's named after the young man that I'm going to be talking about here, little Sammy, little Samuel. It starts off with a woman by the name of Hannah. Everybody say Hannah. Hannah. Beautiful name, Hannah. 
Hannah made a promise to God, and she said, God, if you will bless me with a child, then I will dedicate him to your service for the rest of his life. And God did. God blessed her. She became pregnant, and she had a baby. She named him Samuel, and at a very young age, at a very young age, Samuel started serving at the tabernacle of God under the care of Eli. Eli was the high priest. He was the prophet after Samson. And he lived around the year 1250 B.C. So we can go, basically, this is around 3,000 years ago, a little over 3,000 years ago when this took place. So there's the context. I'm going to read to you from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. And we're going to, well, we're going to, we're going to dramatize it a little bit, shall we? Let me grab this microphone over here. We're going to add a little bit of color to it. If you know me, I like to, like to add a little something to this. So let's uh, read from 1 Samuel chapter 3. The boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare. And visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, well, what is it? And then he got up and he ran to Eli, and he said, here I am. Did you call me? Eli, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. Did, didn't you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message or a word from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and he went to Eli here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go lie down again. And if someone calls you again, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and he called as before, Samuel. Samuel. Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do shocking things in Israel. God goes on to reveal to Samuel what he is about to do in that generation. And literally, for the rest of Samuel's life, he would have a conversation with God that would not only impact that generation, but would impact generations to come, including our very own generation today. Because Samuel had ears to hear and learned how to recognize God's voice and how to confirm that it was God who was speaking. In the quietness of the night, when the noises and the distractions of everyday life had ceased, Samuel hears something. Something that sounded familiar. He wasn't exactly sure, but there was something about the voice that he heard that sounded familiar. 
There was an authority about the voice that caused him to immediately get up and go to the most authoritative person that he knew, the high priest Eli. See, it's no surprise that, that Samuel would jump up and run into Eli because he was used to hearing God's word spoken out of the mouth of Eli as Eli read the Torah regularly, daily. And so Samuel was used to the tone. Samuel was used to the authority. Samuel knew the voice of God because he had heard it as Eli spoke God's word. This is why he runs. Now imagine poor Eli. It says that he was going blind. He was probably very old. He didn't have his readers. And so it was very difficult for him to even, what's going on? He's waking up. What are you bothering me for, boy? And it's terrible to disturb an older person. They just, sleep is precious to an old man. <laughs> Don't wake up a poor older gentleman who's trying to get sleep. He, Samuel does this three times. But thankfully, thankfully for Samuel, by the third time, Eli realizes that Samuel needs some instruction. That Samuel is hearing from God. And it was time for Samuel to begin to learn how to listen and have ears to hear. For Samuel, this began a conversation that would last his entire life. Samuel's ability to hear and recognize and confirm God's voice would lead to establishing Israel's first king. And then subsequently, that king's replacement that would become Israel's greatest king, King David. King David still considered the greatest king of all of Israel. And out of the line of David would come the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus Christ, you and I and this generation can know salvation. Thanks to a young guy who heard from God and began to learn to listen and hear and confirm the word of God. We need men and women, young men and women, young ladies, older men and women, who will hear from God, listen, and do what he says. This generation needs you. This generation and the next generation need men and women who are willing to hear from God and do exactly what God has said to do. Like Samuel. Like Samuel. So in essence, Samuel's hearing God and doing what he said was instrumental in generations of humanity. Hundreds of thousands, millions upon millions receiving salvation. Thank you, Samuel, <laughs> for hearing God and standing up and saying, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Listening. Our ability to hear God. This is why this series was the first one I did of the first part of our year. Because our ability to come to God and hear and learn how to hear from God will not only impact your life personally, but it will impact those around you. There are people, there are men and women who need life spoken to them. They need words of encouragement. And God is looking for men and women who will be his hands and feet, who will be his voice to somebody who feels hopeless. So you have the ability to speak life. The Bible says that the power of life and death is in our tongues. 
You have the ability to speak life. And by being prompted by God, you will speak life where life is needed. If you will have ears to hear what God is saying and do what he says. Remember what God said through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah 33.3, a friend of mine said the other day, that's God's phone number. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. It's God's phone number because it says, call to me and I will answer you. Get it? Call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. See, God is saying, I want to show you. I want to speak. Will you hear me? So today, for the next 10 to 15 minutes, get out your notes, open up your journals, because I want to give you ways to be able to understand and be able to say, okay, I know I'm hearing God's voice. I want to take on the role of Eli for a few minutes to learn how to discern and to confirm God's voice. Confirming God's voice. The Bible gives us five. Hold, hold up your hand and say five. Five right here. Give me a high five right there. There are five basic keys or check marks, checks through which every possible leading of the Holy Spirit can be judged. We are to carefully examine our thoughts and intentions of our heart, the Bible says, and the words of godly people who come to us and say, I have a word for you, who have influence on our lives. We can test it these five ways, these th five filters, these five check marks. The first one is the one that we've camped out on for the last three weeks. And the number one is, what is number one? Scripture. Everybody say scripture. scripture. This is what we opened with our first week from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. All scripture. Everybody say all scripture. All scripture, the whole Bible, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, also the woman of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible, God's word, scripture, is the first primary test when we feel we're hearing from the Lord, we look to the word of God as the first test of confirmation because God never contradicts himself. So if it's a contradiction, then it's not a confirmation. We look to God's word. And how do you, how, how do you know? You got to get into here if you want to be able to hear. Remember I said that? If you want to hear, you got to get into here. If you want to hear, you got to get into one more time. If you want to you got to get into? Here. That's right. Because the more time you're in God's word, the, the, the more you're going to be able to recognize God's voice and it will confirm. God will not contradict himself. Matter of fact, I remember um, when I was a young, a young guy just kind of looking, going, what career am I going to go into? Uh, I was working at a, at a shoe place. I was working at a restaurant. And then I got a job at a bank. I always had two or three jobs because I was really trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I was working at a bank for a little while. And they wanted to teach us how to recognize counterfeit money. We spent most of our time examining and learning the touch and the feel of real money, right? We got to handle, man, I got to handle a lot of cash. It was supervised, but man, I used to go, man, look at this. I mean, we'd have lots and I mean, we'd have all this cash. And every once in a while, they would throw a fake one in there. So that as we're touching and feeling and looking and smelling, we would go, something is wrong with this one. 
We spent most of our time, the majority of our time, 95% of our time, we studied the real thing so that if something fake came by, we'd go, like red lights would go off. Oh, something, something's not right here. Something's not right. Because we're handling money all the time at the bank, right? So we had to know the feel of the real so that we could tell when the fake comes by. That's why we get into God's word, so that we're studying the real, and we got the feel of the real, so that if something false comes to our mind, we go, wait a minute, something's not right here. Something's not lining up with God's word. So the number one thing is scripture. It's our first filter. It's our first check. The second one is this one. Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Ooh, we thank God that you didn't leave us alone, Jesus Thank God that he didn't leave us out here to fend for ourselves, Because God, Jesus said these words in John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus said, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Everybody say helper. helper. One translation says comforter. Another translation says counselor. Another translation says advocate. All of those are right. And why? that he may be, a, be, may be able to abide with you forever. Further down there in chapter 14, verse 26, says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring, to, here it is, and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. See, so as we're pouring God's word into our heart, the Holy Spirit of God that dwells inside of you. When you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes residence in your life. Now, now the Holy Spirit has something to draw from, has a well to draw from and bring back to your remembrance. The Holy Spirit will also confirm through prophetic words, through words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Men and women who are, who are filled with God's Holy Spirit are able to speak words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophetic words over your life. Listen to what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. It says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. You see, the Holy Spirit of God is speaking, is speaking. Now, I'm going to get into this a little bit deeper in the months to come. I'm going to be doing a longer series on the power and the presence of God's Holy Spirit. I look forward to being able to share that with you because some people are like, well, help me understand, Pastor Kelly, the work of the Holy Spirit. Because I remember going to church, it was Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I hear about Father God, and at Christmas time we celebrate the Son, but what about Holy Spirit? What about Holy Spirit? Well, we're going to get into that in the months to come. That's something you can look forward to. But here's something that here's a benefit of the Holy Spirit present in your life is when you didn't know when you don't know how to pray. How many of you guys have sometimes went, man, I, I need to pray, but I don't know what to say. Be honest. I, I, I know that I've sat there going, I don't know how to pray. Somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, will you pray for me? Well, I don't even know you. How do I pray for you? Well, I've got this going on. Well, thank God for the Holy Spirit that resides in me because the Bible says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. I don't have it up for the screen, but let me read it to you. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. 
So as the Holy Spirit is in your life and you don't know how to pray, you can begin to pray and the Holy Spirit will begin to work through you and pray through you. Maybe you've heard the term uh, praying in the Spirit. That's what this is referencing. Again, tonight I don't have a lot of time to go into this in detail. But in the months and weeks, the weeks and months to come, I will go into greater detail on what it means to, to, to be filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, the title of my message in, in some months ahead will be called Demystifying the Holy Spirit. Demystifying the Holy Spirit. So that's our second test, Holy Spirit. Third one is this. Godly counsel. Everybody say godly counsel. Godly counsel. The, the action word there, the important word is godly counsel. Not just some bonehead down the street. Godly counsel. Somebody with wisdom. Somebody who has experienced uh, uh, real transformation in their life and you see the fruit in their life of God working in their life. Listen, what it says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. It's like a safety check. It's like a safety check, right? Matter of fact, Matthew chapter 18, verse 16 says, By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. May be confirmed. See, God designed us to be in community. He didn't design us to be lone rangers. We're not designed to be lone rangers. We're designed to be in community. And so even in the beginning, when he looked at Adam, he says about Adam, he makes Adam and he makes all the animals and does all this. And he says, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for him to be alone. We need counsel. We need advice. Am I hearing right? Am I hearing? We need each other. I personally seek counsel from people that I know listen to God. People I can trust who won't go blabbing about all the things that I'm sharing. Won't be blabbing their mouths. People who care about me enough to share the truth. Not just tell me what I want to hear. I've got three people in my life that I go to. The first one is my wife. I come to my wife and I share the things that I'm hearing. The things that I'm praying about. She's my, my first check. I got a second person. It's my father-in-law, Gil Placencia, who's here tonight. I check with him. He's my advisor. He's my counsel and has been since I started dating his daughter a long time ago. Uh, how long ago was that? 35 years ago. And the third is a couple that I call my pastors, Pastors Jerry and Kimberly Dearman. Those are my pastors who I look to and receive counsel from regularly. They've been my friends and pastors for over 16 years. Matter of fact, Jerry and Kimberly are making plans to be here on our March 3rd grand opening, so I'm really excited to have them here that night. Uh, it's very exciting to have my pastors here. My in-laws will be here, and uh, my wife will be here too, so all three of my counselors will be here, and they can tell me if we're doing everything right, <laughs> and I know they are. Godly counsel. When you hear a word from the Lord, go seek out that godly counsel and test it with two or three people. Say, I feel like the Lord is speaking this. Let me check this with you. All right? Number four. Here's the fourth way. The peace of God. Everybody say, peace of God. Peace of God. <clears throat> Let me read the passage of Scripture. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says, Let the peace of Christ 
rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. This is the one that sometimes maybe you've heard people say, well, I have this sense. I have this sense. I have this feeling down deep that that's right or that that's wrong. It's this, this peace, this settling to say, yep, okay, this is, this, is, this is right in here. And see, you're the only one that really knows that. You're the one that, that, that if things are stirring up, if things are uneasy, and, and, and you're going, man, this, this just doesn't seem right. There's no peace on this decision. Then it might be the wrong decision you're making. Listen to what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. It says this, Don't worry about anything, but with prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. When we bring our requests and our concerns to God and we say, okay, God, do a work here and now I'm listening and you don't have peace about it, then God may be saying, no, don't go there. Don't do that because there's no peace. I'm uneasy about this. But if you're going to make a decision and there's that, that sense that I just feel peace about this. Matter of fact, when I, when I have uh, people that ask me for advice, I'll often say, so how does it feel in here about that decision? What's the peace? Are you feeling peace about this? Lastly, number five, and we're wrapping up here, is this. Circumstances, circumstances, and time. Everybody say circumstances. This is an interesting one. This is one that oftentimes requires faith. The peace one requires uh, patience. This one requires faith. Listen to this passage of Scripture and see this example of Paul in a circumstance that ultimately led to God doing something incredible. Let me read this uh, circumstance. Here it is. After these things, he, that is Paul, left Athens. Now He was traveling and he went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew, Jew named Aquila a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them, and because he was of the same trade, that is, they were all tent makers, he stayed with them, and they were working, for by trade they were tent makers. Let me tell you a little bit about this. This relationship of Paul and Aquila and Priscilla became one of the most significant relationships in the early church. Their relationship, and it happened as a result of circumstance, became one of the most strategic partnerships in the entire book of Acts. Because this couple had influence and connections and networks that God brought Paul to and ultimately did a supernatural work. See, God will work through circumstances and timing. You may be working at a job right now going, I'm not sure about this. Pray and see if God will use this situation, this circumstance to do something incredible. God works in and through circumstances. For me, I call this the shutting and opening of doors. Whenever I have a major decision that I'm praying about, and if, say, I have three options, I come to the Lord, I go, Lord, shut the door that I am not supposed to walk through. Oh, shut the door and open the door that I am supposed to walk through. 
Matter of fact, one of the results of me even being here at Brea was the closing of a few very significant doors that I said, Lord, open the door that's supposed to be open and close the ones that are supposed to be closed. And literally within a few days, boom, some doors closed. And I went, okay, Lord, this, this circumstance is telling me that this is not the direction to go, that I'm supposed to continue going down this path. This relationship that Paul had with Aquila and Priscilla was a circumstance that confirmed God's word. When those doors shut, I say, Lord, give me peace to walk through this door. Listen, as we close, I wanted to give you these five filters, these five checks, because we're talking about listening to the Lord, and I wanted you to be able to have them. Let's, let's put them all up there on the screen one more time. How do we confirm God speaking? Number one, first through his scripture. Number two, confirmation of the Holy Spirit. Number three, godly counsel. Number four, a peace of God in our hearts. And number five, looking at the circumstance that God has placed you in. Listen, many times God will confirm his word through three or more of these ways. And I wouldn't settle for any less than three. If you're looking for a confirmation of God's word, I would say, Lord, I need three of these to line up to know that you are speaking very clearly. This has been my experience, especially when we're in the process of making an important life-changing decision. Oftentimes, uh, I'll have young people who say, yeah, I feel like uh, I want to go live here. I want to go, go travel abroad. I want to go be a missionary. I want to go do all these things. And my advice to them often is this. So what has God said? Well, God has said that I'm supposed to go and do this. Okay, does that line up with Scripture? What's the Holy Spirit saying? Have you gotten godly counsel? Is there peace in your heart about this? Only you really know this. But is there a peace in your heart about this? And what is the situation? What is the circumstance that's lining this all up? And usually what I'll say is if you're getting three of these as green lights, then it's probably good to go. Probably good to go. This is the way we hear God's voice. You can hear from God. And you can confirm the voice of God. And listen, church, and I'm wrapping it up right now. This generation needs you. This generation needs us to hear from God, to speak words of life, to be able to be Jesus' hands and feet. We have a desperate world that is hurting, that is hurting, and they need men and women like Samuel who will have ears to hear and do what God has said to do. Thank you for listening. For more information, check out our website at wearerefinery.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram at wearerefinery. God bless.